This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Blesses me that you guys continue to come back to hear the truth on the Word of God, even when it pertains to hell. And I'll tell you right now, it's not easy. Actually, the first few weeks, this is our eighth week on this, and the first few weeks I was on it, it really, really rattled me, where it caused me to go and search my own heart. And I don't want to say I'm getting comfortable with this, but God begins to reveal to us areas in our life that we need to pick back up the pace and just believe and trust in Him. So if you need a Bible this morning, get your hand up. Again, we'd love for you to get the Word of God in your hand. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 16. Now, this morning we're really going to highlight what Jesus himself said about hell. What Jesus actually said about hell. And we got to soak ourselves in this. And, you know, Jesus talked about hell more than he did on heaven. He talked about hell on 33 different occasions. The word hell itself is, is... Mentioned 167 times in the Bible. And so we need to be very clear on all this. And understand that when we talk about hell. It was one of the fundamental teachings of Jesus himself. So we look at some things here before we get going. Some statistics I want to tell you about. Uh, Some of it's very eye opening. This is pertaining to many of the denominations in our society. And I'm not knocking denominations. I just want to give you a fact. That uh, many of them deny the literal existence of hell. 35% of all Baptists. 54% of all Presbyterians. 58% of Methodists. 60% of Episcopalians believe that there is no literal hell. Almost shocking to me. So again, I refer back to what I said. We really need to soak ourselves in what Jesus said. Now, the next statistic that I'm going to give you is really, really eye-opening. 71% of all men and women that are currently at major seminaries in America believe there is no literal hell. And so, again, I've just got to stay with the Word of God. You know, in uh, 2 2 Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul talked to a young pastor named Timothy, and his assignment for him was, he said, preach the Word. You preach the word because the day will come when many will not endure sound doctrine. And so uh, Jesus warned in Matthew 7, Do not be deceived. In these last days many will come and they will say things that you don't need to hear or you don't want to hear but you need to hear them, okay? So again today, you're going to get high doses of the word of God. We begin in the book of Luke chapter 16 verse 19. Now, When we start here, most of the time when Jesus talked about parables, he would say, I talked to him in a parable. I believe this was an actual incident that took place, okay? Verse 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple. And understand their purple in their time they lived in was a sign of royalty. And he had fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day or he lived in luxury. Understand the Pharisees considered that wealth to be a proof of a person's righteousness. Which had nothing to do with it, okay? But that's the way they looked at it. Verse 20. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate. Now, 
This isn't the same Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead, okay? I, I believe Lazarus may have been a very popular name back then. Verse 21. He desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Um, not a real pleasant thought right here, what's going on, but this is reality with this guy. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And when you read about Abraham's bosom, the Jews believed it suggested a place of honor for this man. Also, when you talk about Abraham's bosom, it was a segment of Hades that reserved a place for the righteous until the following of Jesus' resurrection. Okay, so this kind of describes a little bit about Abraham's bosom. Keep reading. The rich man also died, and he was buried. And so you see both of them died and experienced an eternal destination. Verse 23. And being in torments in Hades, he, the rich man, lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in the bosom. Now, description leaves no doubt that the rich man was in a place of eternal punishment. And I'm going to highlight a word here today that really, really will begin to get your attention in this passage. Here it's the word torments, and if you notice, it's plural. Torments. In this passage, on four different occasions, Jesus refers to the word torments. And so understand this right now. That when we talk about hell, it is a place of torment. But you begin to see a couple things here that I believe kind of will identify what will happen to us in eternity, whether heaven or hell. It said that the man was able to see Abraham and Lazarus. He recognized them. So you know what that tells me in heaven? And I'd rather prefer heaven today. But we're going to be able to see each other. We're going to recognize each other. You know, when Jesus died and he rose from the grave, he was approximately 33 years old. And so anytime I've read books or been around people that have been to heaven or have heaven experiences, almost every one of them say, I would say the people there were all in the range of 33 years old. Interesting, but truth. Okay, keep reading. Verse 24. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Now, this becomes an interesting statement to me right here because he said, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. He didn't say, have mercy on me and get me out of here. The reason I believe he said that is because he understood fully that his eternal destination was final and forever. So he said, send Lazarus. That he may dip the, his tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Now, this is the second time he uses the word torment. And he said, I was tormented in this flame. When you study hell, it says that it's a flame that will never go out. But here's another interesting thing in this. If you note there, this rich man that was in hell... He didn't say, give me a cup of water or give me a pitcher of water. He said, just let him touch the tip of his finger on my tongue. 
it reveals to me this, this guy is in incredible pain and torment just like it says. Verse 25. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. So right here the Lord Jesus identifies people eternal destination will be either that one of comfort or torment. There's no other uh, uh, opportunities except those two right there. Now I want to clarify something really, really important here. A rich person's wealth does not automatically send him to hell, nor does a poor person's uh, lifestyle automatically grant him to go to heaven. Okay? That's not what he was saying here. Every one of us is our eternal destination are based on my relationship with Jesus. However, oftentimes our earthly treasures reveal our true heart. And what I mean by that, if you're not very careful with wealth, it's very easy to get over and have this mentality. I'm better than that person. I'm more important than that person. Again, the thing that changes that is the love of God. For man, I just love the things of God and I want to do good to people. Keep reading, verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf or a great chasm fixed that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. So there is a definite separation between heaven and hell. And if you look real close to that, there's no indication that this will ever change. It's final. And it's almost like he had to be reminded, you're never going to be comforted. Ever. Verse 27. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Now it's interesting here that this man was aware of his five brothers that were still here on earth. And he says, I don't want them to experience the torture, the agony, or the pain that I am experiencing. Now this passage right here It literally tells me and you of the existence of hell and people will be in it. Because that's where this man is. And Jesus once again right here, he highlights that hell is a place of torment. And the reason I want to highlight that, because in our society, hell is often not portrayed as a place of torment. Hell is portrayed as a place of fun. It's a place of where your friends are going to be. It's a place of party, rock and roll. ACDC years ago sang a song that said, Hell ain't such a bad place to be. But not according to the Lord Jesus. He makes it very clear that it's a place of eternal torment where there's 
There's no companionship. There's no fellowship. It's utter loneliness and utter hopelessness. And this man here who's experiencing, he said, I beg you, send him back because I don't want my my brothers to experience this. Now, we've all heard this phrase before. Misery loves company. But it's sure, sure not fitting for this experience, was it? And so this guy, again, it shows me that he is very much aware of his family that's still here on earth. Verse 29. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses. And understand this about Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then he goes on to say, and they have the prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets. And he said, let them hear them. Let them listen to the word of God that they spoke. Verse 30. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And so he's talking here that he wants his brothers to have this extraordinary experience from this guy who comes back from the grave. Now, in verse 30, it's very interesting, his words, he said, send them so they would repent. You know what it showed me right there? On his time while he was on this earth, he never repented of his sins. Now again, we talk about the word repent. To repent means a oral confession. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if you will confess your sin, that God would forgive you. But understand this also, when we talk about the repentance of sin, it's not just oral confession. Yes, that's part of it. But the other word, remember, the word repentance means to do a 180. To turn from those things. And and many times in our life, I think where we mess up is we try to turn from those in our own ability. How many of you have ever lived in, in habitual sin? Pastor's raising his hand. I've lived in sin. And I've said, Lord, I'm going to quit doing this and I'm going to quit doing that. The key isn't me because I'm never going to be able to do that. The key is when I say, Lord Jesus, grace me. And you give me the ability to help me. And I believe it's very important that when we repent, Lord, we say, grace is today, Lord. Your grace is sufficient to help me doing that. What happens, Pastor, if I keep messing up? You keep repenting and you keep speaking the word of God and say, God, grace me. Grace me. Keep reading. Verse 31. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one who rise from the dead. And so listen real close to what he's saying here. If they don't receive the word of God, they will not believe in one who's risen. If they don't receive the scriptural evidence. And so you know what the Lord Jesus is saying right here? He's saying the word of God is enough. All you need is the word of God because, again, when people receive the truth of the word of God, the word will set you free. And so, again, he's saying the word is enough. And in this verse right here, Jesus himself is revealing a self-prophecy. 
Think about this with the Lord Jesus. He was fully aware that he would die and that he would rise from the grave. And he did. And guess what? Those very religious leaders that saw him rise from the grave, they still wouldn't believe. They still didn't come to Jesus, the Lord and Savior. And the reason they didn't come to him, they were so set in their ways and their religious traditions that they still couldn't believe. And so right here, here's what we got to get with what he said right there. If you have ears to hear, then heed the word. How many times in the New Testament do you hear that phrase that Jesus said, if you have ears to hear? And we all got ears. Some of us got massive ears. Big old Dumbo ears. The key isn't do I have ears. The key is what do I do? And so right here, once again, Jesus is highlighting, teach the word of God, not experiences. I got to get a hold of the word again. For eight weeks now, we've talked about crave the Word of God. Have an appetite for the Word of God. Daily, get into the Word of God. Feed your spirit, man, on a daily basis. Now, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And what we're going to do here, we're going to take several passages of the Lord Jesus about what He said about hell. And we'll get into it a little more next week on some areas pertaining to judgment. But today, let's just let, let, let the Lord Jesus really speak to our heart through the word. Matthew 25. And I'm going to begin in, in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you from the foundation of the world. Now, just for a second here, you can read into what Jesus is saying here. If there wasn't two different eternal destinations... Then why would he separate us? Why would the sheep be on the right and the goats on the left? Now, all you lefties in here, this is one time in your life you want to be on the right, okay? Just a little insight. But again, why does he mention this at all if there's not a separation? Because there is. Now, what we get into starting in verse 35 is what we call the evidence Or our behavior. Now watch what he says. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. And I was sick and you visited me. I was in the prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, I surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Now again, it's very clear here that Jesus is aware of what me and you will do on this earth with our time, with our abilities, 
and even with our possessions. Keep reading, verse 41. Then he will also to say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Listen real close to this verse. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord. Now this is a judgment day, okay? And when the verdict has been written, uh, uh, said or spoken, and they begin to understand what's going on, they said, Lord. Keep reading. When did we see you hunger or thirst, your stranger or naked or sick in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. This was the verdict. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. So again, Jesus himself makes it a distinct uh, separation between e- eternal damnation and eternal life. It's interesting in verse 46 that he called it eternal punishment. Now, he says something very interesting back in verse 41. Halfway through it, he says, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. So in this passage here, he defines hell as everlasting punishment and everlasting fire. But look at the end of verse 41. Everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, you know what this tells me right there? Hell was never intended to be a place for mankind. It was intended for the devil and the demons that all rebelled against God. So why will mankind end up there? Because the devil has come to this earth to try to deceive and to trick And to pull as many people in there away from God as he can. And guess what? There's some people that will do that. They will not receive Jesus as Lord of their life. And so ultimately this is what happens to them. Go to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. I'll begin here in verse 24. And this parable jumps a couple of times, so I'll give you a little bit of uh, insight where we're going to go after that. Matthew 24, Matthew 13, verse 24. Now listen real close to how he starts this. Another parable, so this is a parable. He put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared so the servants of the owner came and said to him sir did you not sow good seed in your field how then does it have tares he said to them an enemy has done this the servant said to him do you want this then to go and gather them up but he said no least while you gather up the tares you also uproot the wheat with them let both grow together until the harvest at that time of the harvest i will say the reapers first gather together the tares Bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather a wheat into my barn. Jump with me, same chapter, verse 36. 
Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. So he answered them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. The bad tares are the sons of the wicked one. Now, when you read that right there, I'm either going to be a son of the kingdom or I'm going to be a son of the wicked one. Those are the old two categories again. Verse 39, then the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. You know what he's telling me? This is exactly what's going to happen. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of the kingdom and all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness. Everything that causes sin and evil is going to be punished, is what he's talking about. And they will cast them into the furnace of fire. Now listen real close how he describes hell. They will be cast into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Again, when I look at the words of Jesus himself, there's no indication that this is going to be a good place, okay? And again, I think this is where the deception comes in with many people. I cannot base my life or my eternity on what man says. I better listen to the word of God. Verse 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the son of the kingdom of the father. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Same chapter, verse 49 and 50. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's very interesting to me that he repeats the same words in a matter of several verses. You know why I think he does stuff like that? It's the very same with the word torment. He wants us to get it. And when you read of wailing, weeping, and the gnashing of teeth, these were common descriptions that Jesus himself used pertaining to hell. Now, I want you to go to the book of Revelations, chapter 6. I'm going to give you a little insight now. Just some things through the way the Word of God's kind of jumped out here. Revelations, chapter 6. As you're turning there, uh, a couple other things that the the Bible specifically defines hell as. says that it's a bottomless pit. Uh, Revelations 9, 1. Revelations 20, verses 1 and 3. Talk about it's a bottomless pit. When I begin to look at the bottomless pit, it literally says it's unfathomable. It's a place that's unlimited and it's boundless. A bottomless pit. Look with me now here in Revelation 6 verse 9. And when he opened the fifth seal, and I'll just tell you the fifth seal is Matthew 24 verses 4 through 8 is what that is. I saw under the altar, listen real close, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God 
the significance of the word of God, and for the testimony which they held. So he's literally telling me there are going to be people from this earth that will be slain because they said, I'm going to live by the word of God and I'm not going to change my testimony. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is who I am. Verse 10. And these ones that were slain, they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now, when they said they were praying for the vindication of God's justice, it wasn't for vengeance. It was just for the vindication of God's judgment. And it's interesting right here that these ones who had been slain, they were very aware that there were people still on earth that had done that to them. Verse 11. Then a white robe, and remember, remember, we talked about the white robe. That every one of us, because of this life we live in, we have a robe. But man, it's stained. It's stained with sin. It's stained with all the junk we've done. And the only way my robe is clean is through the blood of Jesus. And and I'm not saying this in an ugly way. Jesus' blood is the spiritual Clorox, okay? And it, it takes all the stain out. And when you see the white robe, it's significant. Of victory. We got to walk in victory because of Jesus. Keep reading. And it was given to each of them. And it was said to them. That they should rest a little while longer. Until both the, the, the number of their fellow servants. And their brethren who would be killed. As there was completed. One of the reasons God hasn't come back immediately. He's patient. Because he wants to give Every person on this earth, ample opportunity to be saved. Now, this is where I started going here with that little phrase, I want you to rest a little while longer. Turn just a couple pages to Revelations 14. Revelations 14. I'm going to pick up in verse 9, and it's a little bit into this passage just for time's sake. But this is referring to people that that don't make it into heaven. Verse 9. Then a third angel followed them saying with a loud voice. If anyone worships the beast and his image. And receives his mark on his forehead or his hand. He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. So he's saying right here. Ones that won't receive Jesus. And they'll take the mark of the beast which is 666. He said. You're going to drink from the wrath of God. Which he poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented, there it is again, with fire and with brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. Now the smoke that he's talking about is referenced to like a sulfur. When you study the sulfur, sulfur burns incredibly hot, but it has a hideous smell. And he said, forever and ever. They will be tormented in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. 
who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. The word rest there means relief. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So again, I'm going to live by the word of God and I'm not going to deny Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Actually, I take great honor to say Jesus is Lord of my life. Now look at verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So you begin to see a little phrase there. The ones that will go to heaven will an experience and an eternal rest. The ones who don't go to heaven, it said they will never experience rest. So actually, what does that mean? Well, think about this just for a second. Maybe you've had a day or a week where you were extremely busy. And if any of you looked at you and said, how are you? You said, man, I'm tired. I'm wore out. I just need some rest. I need some good rest. Now think about your body physically, emotionally, and even spiritually when your body's not well rested. Man, it's heavy. It's hard to do anything. You know what he just said to us? Inhale every moment for the rest of your life. You will feel that worn out experience. But the people in heaven will experience a rest. Now, I'm not going to have you turn there. This is a homework assignment. You read Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse 1 through 11, over and over and over, almost every one of those verses talk about rest. How God wants to bless His children with the rest. And I believe when we receive Him as Lord and our Savior, that that rest just isn't when I get to heaven. God will give you an incredible rest right here on earth as a child of God. But again, we must fully understand the words that are in the Bible. And there are things that are very clear. And part of it is no rest. The bottomless pit. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.